welcome to our eighth podcast episode of Neurodiversity in a Nutshell. We've done our research, and today we're going to be bringing to you global policy perspectives regarding neurodiversity. My name is Aryan, and we hope you've listened to our past episodes and are enjoying our content. Today, we're delving deeper into global policies that have supported individuals with neurodiverse conditions through supporting a strengths-based model of abilities across the country. As discussed by strategists in New Zealand's Disability Policy Division, disability is not something individuals have. What individuals have are impairments. They may be physical, sensory, neurological, psychiatric, etc., but disability is the process which happens when one group of people create barriers by designing a world only for their way of living, taking no account of the impairments other people have. New Zealand is just one example of the many countries across the globe that are building inclusive models of the environment in amazing fashion. Over the past three episodes, we extensively discussed the United States policies for education and employment for neurodiverse individuals. Now that we've covered the United States, let's look at global policies in other countries that are having as many significant impacts. Today, we will be looking into the European Union, Asia, Oceania, and Africa's perspectives and ideas on implementing neurodiverse policies that are inclusive to all. As an overview, Overall, this episode discusses the international implications of policies in these various regions. While each of these areas has different rates of development and infrastructure and models of inclusion regarding neurodiversity, it is important to discuss the standards that can be grounded upon in each region. For example, in Africa, a very less developed region, the models of inclusion may just require simple policies, but they can still have a very monumental impact on the inclusion, even though they are less compared to the developed regions of like Norway or Sweden. First, let's take a look at the European Union's take and perspective on neurodiversity policy. The EU has recently funded a new initiative that will fuse neurodiversity and scientific research to create new policies. This new project is called NEDBELS, NEDBELS, and it will incorporate government-funded research and the brightest minds to create new laws and print inclusive to all. According to the EU government website, advances in science are deepening the understanding of neurodevelopmental disorders such as autism, Asperger's, and dyslexia. Neurodiversity, a relatively new concept to the EU, proposes that such disorders are normal differences in society and individuals should not face discrimination. Ned Bells is currently examining how the concept challenges the principle of equality and its impact on legal systems and practices. The project was launched to address a perceived gaps in communication between legal experts and scientists on the treatment of those with neurodevelopmental disorders, which affects formal training and daily practice in diagnosis, education, and health services for those affected. This divergence prevents vulnerable minorities, such as people with neurodevelopmental disorders, from reaping the full sociopolitical potential of scientific advancements, notes the project's research team. NEDBELS aims to help increase communication between legal experts, neuroscientists, and policymakers by advancing interdisciplinary research methodologies and scientific training. The core work carried out during the project included mapping the legal and judicial implications of the concept neurodiversity, along with social claims of the neurodiversity movement. The project received funding through the EU's Mario Sklodowska Curie Actions Program and is led by research fellow Andrea Lolini, an associate professor of comparative constitutional law at the University of Bologna, Italy. The interdisciplinary approach combining Lolini's own legal experiences with concrete neuro data gathered during the international collaboration has produced very original results unique to the EU. In summary, the EU's take on global policy involved scientific research and legal expertise in creating a more systematic approach to this law that is going to be expounded upon in all of the different countries under the EU. 
NedBells is still yet to be implemented within EU scientific and public communities, however, funding of this new venture has been completed. In Asia, Taiwan spearheads the region with their neurodiverse policy, according to multiple polls considering neurodiversity living. Back in 1980, Taiwan enacted the Welfare Law for the Handicapped and Disabled. This law was written with outdated rhetoric and covered the visually handicapped, the hearing or balanced mechanism impaired, the speech impaired, those with missing or damaged limbs, and the mentally retarded. In further amendments, the law became more inclusive, with the bill eventually being renamed to the Protection Law for the Handicapped and Disabled to symbolize that the legislation was no longer a concept of charity, but a concept of rights, according to the Department of Social Affairs Director under the Ministry of the Interior, the Protection Law for the Handicapped and Disabled is the Taiwan's most advanced welfare statute because it distributes duties to all government agencies concerned. This bill specifically stipulates that offices of health, education, labor affairs, construction, etc. all have responsibilities to the neurodiverse community. In the past and in many other countries, the burden of becoming accessible falls on one specific department. In comparison, the protection law for the handicapped and disabled is much more successful, ensuring that all facets of society are accessible to all individuals. More recently, Taiwan agreed to uphold the United Nations Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities. Paralleling the United States Rehabilitation Act, Taiwan enacted the Disabilities Rights Protection Act in 2007. In compliance with the United Nations, this bill ensures that employers may not discriminate against a disabled individual and can be punished for doing so. Contrary to the United States Rehabilitation Act, this bill ensures that any corporation with more than 67 employees must have at least one employee with a disability, which is a massive step forward compared to the United States' progress so far. A considerable portion of the disabled population may face difficulty with finances, and in order to protect these individuals, the Taiwanese government offers subsidies, benefits, and income tax rebates to neurodiverse adults. Even with both of these policies, Taiwan still had a massive barrier for neurodiverse individuals, physical accessibility. To alleviate this issue, Taiwan amended its Accessibility Building Code in 2008 to guarantee that buildings provided access to individuals with physical accommodations necessary. On top of this, the Public Officials Election and Recall Law was amended to ensure that all polls were free of barriers and that necessary accommodations would be made if not possible. Let's move on to New Zealand. New Zealand is ranked highest as a good place for disabled individuals in Asia. Let's take a look at the policies that amalgamate to create this inclusive nation. In 2008, New Zealand ratified the UN's Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities, now legally obligated to uphold the rights outlined in the convention. Domestically, New Zealand enacted the New Zealand Bill of Rights Act 1990, which protected all rights and freedoms, including those of the neurodiverse community. In addition, the New Zealand government passed the Human Rights Act of 1993, which criminalizes discrimination based on disability. Let's move a little bit further west and take a look at the landlocked African nation of Malawi. Malawi, small inside, has made great strides in being inclusive in the past decades compared to the region around them. There are a few pieces of legislation that make this possible. Starting off in the Malawian uh, constitution, it explicitly states that the government will support the disabled individuals through greater access to public places, fair opportunities in employment, and the fullest possible participation in all spheres of Malawian society. In more recent years, they've passed the Disability Act of 2012, which ensures that individuals with neurodiverse conditions will face no discrimination in the workplace or when being hired and establishes the Disability Trust Fund to provide financial support. The president of Malawi has founded the African Leadership Alliance on Intellectual Disabilities to make change in the region and create inclusive models. Though small in size and still developing, Malawi is quickly on its way to become an inclusive home for the neurodiverse 
More importantly, it is setting a framework for many developing countries in Africa that are facing these same structural issues like, like Malawi has in the past. Our partners in Kenya, Uganda, and Sierra Leone speak of the same issues and hope to see similar government action to Malawi to replace the ignorance that is prevalent in many countries on the African subcontinent. When listening to our previous episodes, you could probably imagine that the United States was a groundbreaker for near-diverse policies. But what you can also see at the same time is that many other bodies and organizations like the European Union or New Zealand or Malawi are making the same impact globally. True equality can only be achieved when all parts of the world strive to make room for different individuals. To sum up the true significance of neurodiversity, here's a quote from a prominent psychologist. We typically think of those individuals who have had the greatest impact on the world as super individuals who had extraordinary power and expertise. However, when you begin to look at individual lives, you see something entirely different. These individuals had both strengths and significant challenges. This is what we should be considering when we talk about the strengths model of disability in the first place. Some examples just include how Winston Churchill had a conduct disorder and a speech impediment, or how Henry Ford had learning disabilities, or how Thomas Edison apparently had clear signs of ADHD, Agatha, Agatha Christie had dyslexia, Helen Keller had significant sensory impediments. The list can go on and on and on. This should remind us that the kids with neurodiverse conditions in our classrooms may be the ones to make the crucial discoveries or the key decisions for our world in the coming decades. But the only thing preventing them to do so is society. As the line goes from the imitation game, sometimes it is a people that no one can imagine anything of who do the things that no one can imagine. When different countries propose new standpoints on global equality, we can find extraordinary individuals to fill our society and create new experiences. This isn't meant to sensationalize anyone, but it's just the truth about how neurodiverse individuals have a massive impact on our community and continuously get ignored. The first step to actually allow for inclusion is to take these countries that we covered in this episode and many others actually taking them seriously and consider implementing these policies worldwide to create a global space for inclusion and a global community that allows for neurodiverse individuals to express themselves. Although sometimes it seems that the world can be a perfect place, but sometimes it just doesn't seem like it, it is good to know that the Neurodiversity Initiative is just beginning. Even though global powers are taking the first steps towards public inclusion, like Ned Bell's, or the United States movement with the strengths model of disability at Stanford, the movement has yet to die down. In fact, many people in all parts of the world must be on the same page regarding these new policies in order to present a united front of inclusion. The divisions that have happened in other issues should not exist in order to advance the motives of inclusion. The world being on a united front is the next step in achieving global equality considering neurodiversity and neurotypicality. This concludes our eighth episode. We learned about different countries today and their takes on cracking neurodiversity-oriented policies, including the various continent-wide leaders across the world. This includes the European Union, New Zealand, Taiwan, and Malawi. These are just extrapolated, isolated examples. This isn't everything possible because this episode would probably be three to four hours long if we had to do so. But the truth is, is that these countries set a framework for the rest of the countries across the globe to improve their standards of inclusion that are happening across the world. 
We've seen our partners want to see these same policies in Malawi, in Kenya, and Uganda, and Sierra Leone. There's no reason that shouldn't happen at all. Thank you for tuning in and supporting our podcast. We're going to be seeing you next week when we're going to be discussing self-advocacy versus allyship and the differences between the two. We love to hear your thoughts or future episode ideas, so keep reaching out to us through our website, www.unitopia.foundation, or contacting us at publicrelations at unitopia.foundation. Thank you for listening in, and we'll see you next week. On top of that, we have some extremely exciting news concerning new guest speakers that we're going to be bringing in in the next few months. So stay tuned and make sure that you come next week so you can learn all about it. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.